Hello, everybody, and welcome to George Conway Explains It All to Sarah. I'm Sarah Longwell, publisher of The Bulwark and definitely not a lawyer. And because I'm not a lawyer, I have asked my friend George Conway from the Society for the Rule of Law to explain this week's legal news to me. Uh, And there's a lot to explain because, George, I'm going to ask you to explain two Trump trials that are going on right now. The first is the E. Jean Carroll case happening this week. And the second is the Trump Organization fraud case that wrapped last week. Uh, And unlike the January 6th cases uh, that we talked about last time, this, like that was a criminal case, but this is a civil case, right? Which means it's about money and not going to jail, correct? Correct. Uh, These are are both civil cases, absolutely. But significant civil cases. I'm getting better at the legal stuff already. Okay. Yeah. so I want to start with the E. Jean Carroll case because Trump is big mad at you. He's out there bleeding at you right now on Truth Social. Yeah, he's very mad at you. You've made him upset. Uh, and this I'm makes sure me very sad. Yeah, this I'm sure you're really face. torn up about it. This is my Aww. sad face. Okay. So let me let me just read you a couple of things. Uh, first, a recent filing in this case says that. The idea of suing Mr. Trump crystallized in Ms. Carroll's mind as a result of a conversation at a party with George Conway, a Republican lawyer who does not like Mr. Trump, and that Mr. Conway then introduced her to a lawyer. Uh, then today on the stand, when E. Jean Carroll was asked why she decided to sue Trump, she said that at a party, you explained the difference between a civil and criminal case, like you just did with me, uh, and walked her through the steps to sue and said that you would help her get a lawyer. And then, in a bleat on Truth Social today, Trump complained about the unfairness of the trial and wrote, Very even E. Jean Carroll's lawyer is a Democrat political operative. And She's a Democrat? A Democrat. Democrat? Uh, Nobody a told Democrat me that. Democrat political operative. And this whole hoax was funded and conceived of by Reed Hoffman, George Conway, and many others in the Democratic system of thugs. All right, three questions. I'm a Democratic One. thug. One, what wow. party was this? Why wasn't I invited? And it how does it feel Republican to be a Democratic party. thug? Okay. Well, once upon a time, there was a president. He was a bad man. And... He used to sexually harass women. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the One day, a woman wrote a book describing all the bad men in his life, in her life. And the book came out and mentioned this president as being one of them. And he had raped her in a department store in New York City. I did not know anything about this until I read it in a magazine, New York magazine. And um, it just so happened that I, I, you know, I wrote something in the Washington Post a few days later that basically said, hey, if you guys believe Juanita Broderick, then you got to believe this woman, because what happened was, I mean, I saw Jean Carroll's original story, and then I saw this interview in the New York Times where she it was clear that she had told two people, two other people, almost immediately after it happened. And to me, that's a very, 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 very compelling circumstance when it comes to these Me Too type cases. If the, the two things that I think are the most compelling, if you follow 
um, the work of Ronan Farrow and, and the recent last few years of, of, of stories coming about about bad men doing things to women, the two factors that you really have to consider are, did the guy do it to other people? And were there contemporaneous witnesses? Because if something ha bad happens to you, you're going to want to tell somebody, even if you don't go to the police. And to me, this was a pretty compelling case. And it happened that, you know, I had never met Jean Carroll before. But the following week, I was, the, within a week or two, I was at a party in New York at Molly John Fast's apartment. And lo and behold, there's the, there's E. Jean Carroll. And she came up to me and, you know, she wants, she thanked me for the article that I'd written in the Washington Post, which had effectively defended her. It was basically, I was just arguing that, well, Trump made a big deal out of Juanita Broderick during the campaign, he and, and, and Bannon. And, and I know, and I think that, that there was some credibility to, 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 to Broderick's claim, but it wasn't as strong as Gene Carroll's claim, which is the point of my article. And so, Jean thanked me for that. And then she mentioned the fact that, you know, some people were telling her that she should sue and that she was thinking about it, but, you know, she didn't know anything about whether it would make sense or not. And what did I think? She was just, you know, just asking me. And my immediate reaction within a millisecond was, you have a libel claim. Because if this happened, and I don't have any reason to disbelieve you, and in fact, the evidence seems to support it based on what I've been reading in the in the paper. Um, and, and then there was Trump lying about never having met her when in fact there was a photograph published <laughs> in New York magazine of the two of them together with other people. I mean, it struck me that he's lying, she's telling the truth, and she has a libel claim, even if you couldn't bring a lawsuit for something, a physical assault that happened two and a half decades before. So she, she I told her, and I know precisely the lawyer, to bring the case. And it was my friend, Robbie Kaplan, who I'd gotten to know over the prior year or two. She um, is just a fantastic lawyer. She, her most famous, uh, well, she tried to, she later tried the, the um, Charlottesville case, but the, the thing that she'll always be remembered for, is she won um, on behalf of Edie Windsor, uh, the, you know, the challenge to the Defense of Marriage Act, um, a very, you know, obviously a very historic, a historic case. And she won that case. And she's also just a ter terrific trial lawyer and a great person. And she also had, she's also bringing another lawsuit against Trump for the pond, the, um, the pyramid scheme that he was running on, um, on the apprentice. Uh, and that, that case is scheduled to go to trial in a few weeks. But anyway, I told, I told Jean Carroll, I think I know the right lawyer for you. And the next day I, I got in touch with, with uh, Robbie Kaplan, and then she met with Jean, and and Jean retained her, and and the rest is history. She got this great verdict during the first trial. He now is, and you know, there was what happened was she brought suit for the libel that he he, he libeled her and defamed her by calling her a liar when he was president, and Jean testified about what happened to her in the department store and testified and her um, friends testified about what what she said happened to them back in 19 in, the, in the 1990s when this happened and then there were a couple of other witnesses who testified basically that Donald Trump did the exact tried to do the exact same thing to them um, Natasha Stoinoff who was a 
a reporter at People Magazine uh, testified that um, she was doing, she was assigned to do a feature story on Trump and, and Trump cornered her in the Mar-a-Lago ballroom and tried to, and, 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 and tried to sexually assault her. And he, she was saved by some guy who said, oh, Mr. Trump, Melania is coming. And then there was a woman who was he, he, he molested on an airplane of all places. Um, but anyway, the jury came back uh, with a five million dollar verdict in last summer uh, in favor of Jean Carroll, two million dollars for the rape and three million dollars for the defamation. And um, as a result, um, the judge has ruled that basically that first verdict means that the only issue in this trial is damages. So this case is only about damages. And that is what's going on right now um, before Judge Kaplan in the Southern District of New York, a trial that's only about damages. So why, why do you think he's so fixated on you in this? Like, why are you winding up in the testimony? Who cares because that he got his lawyer? That doesn't seem germane. Because he's a narcissistic sociopath. Narcissists are obsessed with um, getting revenge. They feel persecuted. I mean, they feel like they should be able to do whatever they want. But when somebody says, no, 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 you can't do that. Like, you can't rape people. Um, they get mad. When, you, when, they tell, when they're told, no, you, you can't just stand up in court and just yammer stuff. You have to answer questions and be sworn. They get mad. And, so, and they're always seeking to blame somebody else for their conduct. And so I'm, I'm a very convenient target. Um, happy to be the target because I think I did something pretty good when I found Jean, Jean her lawyer. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's wants to deflect attention from himself. He wants to, he wants to avoid responsibility for his own actions and he's always seeking vengeance. So there, you know, and he's also seeking to distract from his own conduct by alleging a, a massive conspiracy, which of course makes no sense. And, you know, actually I would have a libel claim against him if I chose to bring one uh, for alleging that I perpetrated a hoax, which makes absolutely no sense since I didn't know anything about Jean Carroll or what had happened to her um, until after it became public. And so therefore it's hard to imagine that this was some kind of a put up job. I mean, she, her story was, was baked in the cake years ago. She told what happened to people decades ago before I even know, knew who a Jean Carroll was. Um, but nonetheless, I'm a Democrat thug and yada, 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 you know, you know how it is. Do you have any response? Whatever, what do you do when he does these things? It's, it's probably less bad now than when it was Twitter. Cause so few, so many fewer no, people I just, are on You know, I just, I just, I mean, I, I take it as a badge of honor and I mock it, which is what everyone should do. Everyone needs to mock Donald Trump because he is so mockable and it, it, it's just, he has to be taken seriously because he's a danger to the Republic. But you can't ever lose sight of the fact that he's a complete buffoon. And we have to keep saying that the two the two are completely consistent. Um, he's a dangerous buffoon. And it's funny because I think his own people, um, people that I know who, who have worked with him or for him, they don't take him quite that seriously because they think he's a buffoon. So they 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 kind of make fun of us for saying, why do you so why are you so obsessed with him? Why do you think he's so dangerous? Because they know he's a buffoon. But the fact of the matter is, he's a dangerous buffoon. And for reasons that, you know, you and I could go on for for days about. Yeah, you know, Charlie Sykes uh, always says a clown with a flamethrower still has a flamethrower. Correct. So, yeah. Yes. I, I always think that's yeah. a nice way to talk about that's this. That's a nice thing, right. right. Yeah. Okay. 
So moving on from Trump's, you know, big emotions, uh, big picture. uh, Can you explain? So you talked about how this is about damages, but like, what's going to happen? What's next? Okay, what's going to happen is, I mean, she, uh, Jean Carroll testified on direct examination. Her lawyer, Robbie Kaplan, took her through what happened to her. I haven't seen a transcript. I saw some live tweeting of it. And basically, I mean, her story is the one actually she told at the first trial, which is Trump lied about her. And this is, there's no, you know, the, the, jur- the jury is being instructed that Trump lied. This is a fact. They cannot, they cannot, Trump cannot contest it in this trial. And the jury cannot, has, has to take it as a given. And she explained the consequences of that lie to her um, emotionally to the, her, her needing security, which is a big thing, and her, her career, and all the different negative things that happened to her as the result of Trump telling this persistent lie, and how Trump continues to tell the lie, even after a jury found that he had lied, and in fact, he has been tweeting, or Xing, or whatever you want to call it, incessantly, more lies about her that she he never met her that she's a liar and that it's a put up job like the you know and and so um that's going to go to punitive damages because one of the you know if somebody doesn't get the message the that's the poor purpose of punitive damages to 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 punish bad behavior from people who um not only just violated somebody's rights but didn't give a shit about violating someone's rights oh you're going to bleep that i'm sorry <laughs> Well, that's up to Barry. He'll decide. That's up to Barry. Okay. Uh, okay. This is a podcast. I accept. I, <laughs> okay. So um, I guess now that we've talked about E.J. Carroll, I do want to move on to the what was the original topic, which is the Trump Organization fraud trial. There's so much legal news. There's so much. Uh, this yeah. just wrapped up last week. And just like the judge today, that judge told Trump's lawyer, to control his client, right? And right, because Trump's always doing that, like presidential level headed vibe stuff. That's just yes. like, how he behaves. Obeying the rules like he always does. Yeah, very normal, very cool. Showing uh, respect for for authority, absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, can you just lay this one out? So, starting like, what's at issue in the fraud case? All right. What, what's at issue in the fraud case is basically the books, the records that have been kept by the Trump organization and its myriad subsidiaries and related entities for many years. And essentially the DA's case, not the DA, but the AG's case is this. Those books were all cooked. They were cooked in any number of ways, but mostly they were cooked in terms of values ascribed to his various assets. And those were used, um, those, those, Financial statements and balance sheets were used um, to, 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 to induce banks um, into lending money and to, and to give to insurance companies. And the problem that Trump has is that the numbers are just not supportable. Uh, the numbers of, 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 of in, in his books were just not supportable to the point where his own accountants um, disclaimed uh, the numbers and then later quit as his accountants. 
Um, and his only defense is, well, the banks were going to lend me the money anyway. Nobody actually relied on this stuff. But the problem for that, for, for Trump, is that under New York law, none of, that doesn't necessarily matter. It might, it could matter if somebody were seeking damages on behalf of a bank or something or, or somebody who purchased securities. But it's essentially in New York, if you're going to do business in New York, either as a New York corporation or as a non-New York corporation who is authorized, that is authorized to do business in New York, you're obliged to keep accurate books and records. And if you do not, you can forfeit the right to do business. The judge essentially has already found that the books were cooked. And it's a question of um, um, his intent to do that. And it's, pretty clear the judge is, you know, what was issue at the trial, even though the judge had found on the basis of documentary evidence and granted summary judgment for the trial on the question of falsity, the issues here were, you know, his state of mind in, 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 in participating in the making of those uh, false statements in the books. And again, which is not something that has to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt because this is a civil case. It only has to be proven to basically 50.01%, more likely than not that he, you know, um, intended to put false statements in the books. And there's going to be a little question about that. And then the other issue would be how much restitution, how much, how much is the state entitled to recover from him? Um, you know, in, ter in, in terms of ill-gotten gains, um, because he was able to keep his business running with these false books for so long. So he's going to lose that case. The question is, is how much money he's going to have to pay. And um, that's not good for him. Okay. So, and so it's just, it's money, but like, is there anything else at stake for his family? Like what kind of penalty are we potentially talking about? Well, we're talking, I mean, the, the, I, I don't remember the price, precise amount that the, the, the um, attorney general is seeking, but it is a two or $300 million or more. It's, it's a lot of money. Mm, that's and real money. I don't, I don't, it's different. It is real money. Tell. And I don't know, I don't know, you know, I don't, I have no sense of how, how much liquidity he has, but it's, it's, it's going to be a bad thing for him if he has to pay that judgment. In, and in what, that are the, what are the chances he does? The chances, I think the chances are reasonably high, but we'll see. I mean, this judge is going to rule fairly quickly. I, I think it's going to be a substantial number. He, he didn't seem to he didn't seem to show much sympathy for Trump's arguments or his antics. And um, we'll see. We'll see. OK, so I just I want to read some quotes from Trump on the last day of his trial. So he said this was a political witch hunt. We should receive damages for what this country, what this company has gone through. And also, this is election interference, playing all the hits here. Uh, the person uh, here, meaning the New York Attorney General, hates Trump and doesn't want Trump to win elections. Excellent use of first, uh, of, of what, third person Trump there. Yeah. Uh, he also directed a comment at the judge and said, you have your own agenda. You can't listen for more than one minute. Now, again, not a legal scholar over here, but this seems like atypical courtroom behavior for a defendant in a serious lawsuit. Right. What happens when yes. you just act like a lunatic like this yelling at the judge? You don't get much you don't get much credence from the judge. Um, I, I don't think a judge is going to say is going to change his conclusions because of this. A good judge will not do that. A good judge will not um, get resentful and seek vengeance in his judgment but the but the truth 
of the matter is, if that's what you're doing, it looks it's it reeks of weakness. And if you you know you, the way to appeal to a judge is to show them you have some facts and that you have some law. And he's not doing that because he's not capable of doing that. And that's not good for him. And that's not good for, you know, it's not going to be good on appeal. It's not going to be, he's, he's created a terrible, terrible record for himself. And at this point in, in the other case, in, in, the, in the Jean Carroll case, I mean, he's got this lawyer who basically doesn't even know how to try a case. I mean, she was basically getting schooled by the judge uh, today on how to do things like mark an exhibit, move an exhibit into evidence, cross-examine a witness based upon a deposition transcript. I mean, things that law students and sometimes um, mock trial participants in high school learn how to do. And, you know, this woman, Alina Haba, did not know how to do that. So can we talk about this Haba attorney for just one second? Haba, yes. Haba. Haba, nice day. Haba. Why would he choose... She has done, I have seen her make all kinds of comments that she shouldn't be making in public, on TV, you know, as this Catholic. Why didn't he choose her? Because um, he, she, she plays to him, right? She, he wants his, his idea of, he's not capable of reasoned thinking or reasoned argument. He is a narcissistic sociopath, a psychopath, a ra- not, not, not a rational man. And the law is generally, it tries to be, a rational process. And so he's fighting it every bit of the way because it involves evidence. It involves um, rules. He doesn't like evidence because it's not doesn't conform to his delusions or fantasies or desires to have people believe false things. And he doesn't believe in rules or laws unless they're applied to other people and unless he's making the rules and laws up as he goes along. So that's, you know, he's he's always been in a continual battle against the legal system. And this is just part of it. And um, it's not going well for him and it won't it will continue not to go well for him. So let me float a theory at you, which is the Trump's obviously going to appeal this right. case, right, against the Trump organization. And the way that he's talking to this, to me, reads like he's trying to delay whatever the impact is. And he just wants to he needs to win the election. Right. Like he's basically. And so he what he wants to convey coming out of these court cases is the like, I'm the tough guy. None of these judges are getting to yeah. me. Also, I'm the victim. And so to me, it seems yeah. like a political play. That, it, it, that, it is. It is. It's, a, it's, it's an instinctive play in part because he's a narcissistic sociopath, but it is also a political play because that is, that is, that is how he's made it in politics. That the, 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 the lying and the victim and, and the playing the victim appeals to a significant, as we've learned, a significant number of people who, um, for, for their own psychological reasons. And so I don't think it's part of, I, I, I hesitate to say that it's part of some kind of master plan because as a sociopath, he's not capable of extensive planning. He's he's more reactive. He's more instinctive. He's you know, he's he's got a reptile kind of like a reptilian brain, um, um, except the reptiles are generally smarter. And um, he's just doing what he what he naturally does. And 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 yes, um, it's it, you know, it fits in to the 
his political approach, which is basically to play the victim. And but that's what he does. I mean, he'd be doing this even if he weren't running for public office. He'd be playing the victim because that's what narcissists do. I mean, one of the things that's crazy to me is that if the Trump org was found to be cooking the books, right, like this is part of his political like lore. The lore of him is that he's a great businessman and that he's super rich. And part of what this case shows, right, is that he's he was he's inflating his wealth all over the place. Right. right? right. And so um, but what I what never failed, which isn't which actually isn't new because, um, you know, it. It came out years ago that he basically was lying to Forbes to get on the Forbes 400. And, you know, there was this lawsuit that that he brought against um, against Tim O'Brien that he had to settle because because, you know, he claimed that Tim had libeled him by saying he wasn't as rich as he made himself out to be. Well, they, you know, turned out that he couldn't sustain that claim. He had to drop the case. So, I mean, there's, this is this is not new and it's not, you know, it's consistent with everything we know about the man is that he exaggerates, he self-promotes, he lies um, uh, about everything about himself, even when it's not necessary to, he lies. Um, it's pathological. Yeah, I just, in a different world, the idea that he had made his political brand around being rich and then there being a case in which he was convicted for cooking the books at his company, that would have an enormous like earthquake of political consequence because it would like topple down like the right. whole thing had been a sham. I don't think this will change anything. No, I don't. I, I don't think. It, I don't think. I don't think it will at all because I think we've, you know, seven years in, we've reached this point of what psychologists called malignant normality and where people just sort of accept the bizarre as even people who don't like Trump accept the bizarre as just perfectly normal. And so none of this is going to be, I mean, the people who support him are just going to disbelieve it no matter what the evidence shows, no matter what the findings are. And then the people who oppose him all say, well, we already knew that. Um, And in, in that sense, you know, he benefits because he's so crazy. He's, he's so um, mind-bogglingly disturbed that nothing, none of this is news anymore. Yeah. Hey, this is a, this, the, the, the results of this are going to be decided by that judge, though, the one he's yelling at, right? No Correct. Jury. Yes. Yep. This guy, because man. Because apparently, because apparently Alina Haba forgot to ask for a jury. I think. <laughs> oh, that's right. This is this case. You know, part of it is even, you know, so I'm obviously, I don't always understand the ins and outs of the legal side, but I follow it pretty closely. Uh, yeah. And I forget which things attach to which case. Like when we were talking about E. Jean Carroll, I was like, right, this is the one where there's the video of Trump when he's getting interviewed and he says, you know, he's like, yes, when you're a star, you're allowed to. It's like it's like it's like right. That's the, right. No, that that was admitted into evidence both at the first trial and the second trial. That when you're, you know, the the, the access Hollywood tape, because it goes yeah, but, to his state of mind and and so on and so forth. But it wasn't even the access Hollywood tape. It was like him. He was saying, uh, yes, know, yes, in, in his deposition. In this video, I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the You can do anything. That's what you said, correct? Well, historically, that's true with stars. It's true with stars that, that they can grab women by the 
Well, that's what that's if you look over the last million years, I guess that's been largely true, not always, but largely true, unfortunately or fortunately. And you consider yourself uh, to be a star? I think you can say that, yeah. Right. Time they have let great men do whatever yes. they want. Uh, yes. You know, fortunately, yes. I was like, and unfortunately that, that was, or fortunately. Yes. Uh, right. I mean, that's right. That was at his deposition. That was at his deposition in the Gene Carroll case. Um, Robbie Kaplan basically showed him or quoted him, quoted at him the, the, the Access Hollywood tape and asked him, hey, is this true? And he basically said, yeah. And that, that's consistent with his narcissistic um, sociopathic way of looking at the world. It's why he says he likes to talk about how Kim Jong-un wants to see him. He said this the other day. He wants he, Kim Jong-un wants to see him president again. I mean, it's the same kind of sickness. What an endorsement. That pervades. Of, yeah, what a, a what murderous a endorsement. dictator wants to be A murderous back. dictator, right. And, 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 you know, it's consistent with Trump the other day saying that, um, you know, Sammy the Bull Gravano had it right that Trump is, you know, a great man and these judges better watch out or something like that. I mean, something Who's that? absolutely. Who's that person you're talking about? What? Sammy, Sammy, the bull Gravano, a mobster, yeah, who's famous that? mobster, famous mobster who was apparently giving an interview saying nice things about Donald Trump. And, um, so Donald Trump said, this is great. <laughs> I mean, I'm not making this must, up. You can't make this that up. That must come right? from a place where like, up. If nobody's ever liked you, you'll take a compliment wherever you can can get it, even if it's no. Like... It's not. It's it's worse than that. He likes people. He likes that type. He likes criminal dictators. He likes mobsters. Okay, he admires them. He his he, he thought the best lawyer in the world was Roy Cohn, who was the most unethical lawyer, uh, one of the most unethical lawyers in American history. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what else. He admires people who are fellow sociopaths. That's just basically how he rolls. Well, uh, I, for one, I know that that's that expression, the, the wheels of justice turn slow, but they turn fine. Uh, yes. Uh, they grind slowly, but they grind fine. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's basically what's happening to him. That is what's happening, right? They got but he is, but he has you right. He's absolutely trying to run out the clock. I mean, that, yeah. that's part of what he's doing. He is trying to run out the clock on all of this stuff because he has figured out, I'm sure people have told him, that if he becomes president, I can not at the civil cases, he can't, it won't help him. But um, basically, if he were in jail on at noon on January 20th, uh, 2025, um, having been convicted of something or other this year, um, and he had been he gets 270 electoral votes. Well, they're going to have to spring him, I think, under the Constitution, which wouldn't be great. Uh, but, you know, that's that's his best play. And that's what he's trying to do, among others. Hey, what did you think? So this was something interesting that just came out of Iowa with the one of the things that was in the exit polls or interest entrance polls. And those are not terribly reliable, but it was something like 31 percent of the primary voters said that they would not vote for him if he was convicted uh, of a crime. Do you believe that? I believe that there are, here's my theory, and I, I, I'm, I don't know why I'm telling you this, because you're the one who actually conducts focus groups and talks to voters, unlike I. Um, I do not. But I do think there are going to be 
uh, broadly speaking, they're going to be people who are never going to believe anything bad that's said about Donald Trump, even if they're shown video of it. They will say it's a deep, deep fake or something. And then there are people who don't like the Democrats, want to vote for a Republican, and, um, but are exhausted by Trump and embarrassed by Trump. Um, and I, I do think that those people can be moved more so than in 2020, because I, I, I just think we're just, we're, I mean, I, I, it's incumbent upon all of us to really, really hammer at him in a way I don't think happened even in 2020. I think 2020, it, it was sort of easier because we had, he was president. I think now his big advantage is that he's been off everyone's radar screens. This deplatforming of him. Deplatforming of him has made him more of an abstraction. Like you forget how bad he is. And then you worry about things, you know, you worry about things that are not really as significant as having a sociopath in charge of the second largest nuclear arsenal on the planet. So um, that's going to be the, the important thing is, is for us, every, all, every single one of us, uh, including people who are listening, um, you know, you, you've got to engage people. And, and, and tell them what you think and tell them why this is bad. And I think there's, a, there's another potential effect. And again, this, I, I defer to you. Maybe, maybe this is um, fantasy on my part. But I do think that the more this happens, the more it demoralizes even the, even the fanatics. And, I, and, and then my, my one data point on this well, I mean, the one data point is turnout, although that could have been due to the weather in Iowa. But there was also an interesting report that was leaked. Um, it was a report prepared by Club for Growth. Um, I, I, you may have read it or seen it, but they had run, they had focus group tested a bunch of negative ads about Trump. And they found two things. The first thing was, it didn't affect people's willingness to say they were going to vote for Trump. They basically showed all the bad things about Trump. And people said, well, I still support him. But they found that it dampened their enthusiasm. And I think, I think the people who support him are exhausted too. And I think that, I think at the end of the day, what we're going to see, assuming, you know, uh, nothing bad happens to Joe Biden um, and, the Democrats do what they should be doing, and God knows they have the money to do it. Um, the, 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 the turnout is going to be huge for people who don't want to see Trump again, and it's not going to be so great for the people who are just trying to stick by him because they because deep down a lot of them know better, and, and also they're just exhausted. And um, that's why I think at the end of the day, I'm hopeful that we will not all end up in Guantanamo. Yeah, I, you know, I want to underscore something you said there. I was just talking about this with a reporter. Um, and, and it is this idea of right now, Joe Biden is front and center for people. I hear this in the press all the time, right? So they, they know what they're annoyed about with Joe Biden. They're frustrated right. with the economy. I heard this in 2022 from swing voters going into the election as well. They were mad about Joe Biden, River. But then when you said, okay, well, then who are you going to vote for, uh, Blake Masters or Mark Kelly? They were like, I'm not going to vote for that psychopath, Blake Masters. He's right. crazy on abortion. He thinks the election was stolen and he likes the Unabomber. Like, I'm right. not going to vote for him. And I think the contours, I think we're at a low watermark for Joe Biden and a high watermark for Trump because he's about to sort of 
get a coronation right, and this right. nomination. But right. then I think once that contrast becomes clear, because something else that's clear in the groups is that people don't know yet that it's Biden versus Trump. They just have not grabbed They don't it. believe it. They it's haven't focused clear. on it. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I still second that to you, and I'll use even bigger data points. In 2016, Hillary was ahead until Hillary became the issue. And one of the things that happened when they you know, got rid of Manafort and put in my ex-wife and, and so on in the fall was they started making the campaign about Hillary. And that's why she lost. In 2020... He lost because the election was about him. He was the incumbent. Um, in 2024, it's going to become about him again, even though he's not the incumbent, because everybody's going to, all of us are going to make it about him, and he can't help but make it about himself. I think that's 100% right, and I think that... Uh also underscore your part about we're all going to have to do this job. It's one of the reasons we need to make sure people understand what's happening in these court yeah. cases. Um, yeah. And so, George, then I appreciate you. Another week of George Conway Explains It All to Sarah. I feel like we're all getting a lot out of this. It was great Good. to talk to you. And we're going to come back and do this again next Absolutely. week. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Because Lord knows there won't be some, there will be something next week as well. There will be. All right. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.